Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Well, welcome to episode two. We just finished uh, an amazing talk with Luke Muller. Uh, talked about his experience with Olympic sailing, a little bit about his Olympic Games, and uh, kind of the struggle with the pandemic and uh, what maybe a, a perfect campaign looks like. And we also talked a little bit about uh, the Waterman life and what he's doing now after the Olympics. Uh, he just got engaged, so congrats to Luke. Yeah, we'll keep this short and um, listen along. Here is Luke Muller. On that, on the cycling topic, like what was your, uh, you're like a, a big, strong dude, or at least yeah, I think you mentioned the other day, like you lost a little bit of weight, but what was your like, like kind of daily routine at home, like before the games? Um, not immediately before the games, but probably in the last, um, I guess on and off the, you know, my routine was biking probably three to five days a week. Um, just on top of, you know, if it was a light, light air day on the water and I didn't feel like I got what I would call aerobic exposure. Um, I needed to get my volume in for my cardio. Um, I would just supplement it with, with cycling. Um, so if it was, you know, lighter that week, I cycled a lot more. And if it was really windy, (laughs) you know, I, I rode my bike a little less, but, um, I got my bike, this, but I've been riding since I was in high school and I got this bike, um, right after the Aarhus Worlds, I think in 2018. And, you know, I rode on and off, but didn't put in like solid miles until during like COVID lockdown where I was in New York and and, um, in New Hampshire. Um, You know, wasn't really going sailing, but spending hours and hours on the bike um, daily, so. You and everyone else found the love of biking (laughs) during COVID. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly bike shops were completely sold out um how long but, were you like i mean were you like always putting weight on or were you pretty much good on weight for a while like i'm not really sure exactly the fin like no that's a good question is, uh i was always trying to keep on weight and put on weight until uh december of 2020 um i did a six week you know concentrated effort in the gym and I basically worked out twice a day six days a week with a nap in between and everything else was eating and it was just fully focused on on putting on strength and mass and you know I was always in the like you know 212 to 215 range maybe hit 218 but it was always a struggle um but after that that focused effort um you know, I was comfortably 218 pounds and didn't really have to, you know, just, it was just kind of normal. I always find it's pretty interesting, like how fast your body can change. If you actually put effort into it, like, like within a month or two months, like you can have a pretty noticeable difference. I think that's true. If you dedicate all your effort towards it, I think in the moment it feels very slow, (laughs) you know, Like in retrospect, you're like, wow, I put on X amount of pounds in that amount of time. Um, Or reversely, you know, I I find it interesting that, you know, I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll lose a little bit of weight after the Olympics. But, um, 
like I told you before, I lost 15 pounds within two weeks. Um, and, and just understanding that we do have natural body weights, um, you know, cause I've been manipulating my weight deliberately since I was, uh, you know, sophomore, junior in high school, like, you know, 16, 17 years old. So yeah. it's been fun and nice and relieving to just be like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to have a snack. Oh, yeah, I don't need I- to eat it's a pretty big change for me as, as well coming off of uh sailing of just being like, this is the first time I haven't cared about what my weight is in so long. Um, it's pretty freeing. You don't really like understand how much stress you kind of put on yourself or on your body just from sailing. Like, Oh, it's, it's really messed up, man. Like I've, (laughs) (laughs) I've had, you know, I, I have a good relationship with food. I, I, there are definitely times where I couldn't say that. Um, at the end I was pretty healthy and, you know, but there are times where I would forget to eat or, you know, I got really busy or, you know, and I would just like have so much anxiety about like, oh, it's been too long since I had a meal. Like I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm, you know, getting away from my goal. Um, you know, and I, I can't tell you how many times I, I was hangry and my uh, partner, my fiance, you know, would hand me a, learned how to hand me power bars and, and, <laughs> and energy bars just to, you know, not turn into a demon. Yeah. Uh, so I guess on, on that note, could you like talk about kind of like what the fin is and why it's a, a cool boat? Because I think that, I think like for Quinn and I coming from high performance boats um, and then stepping back, like Quinn mentioned a while or with the Anna podcast that he liked the FJ because it was so, like connected to the ocean, you know? And, mm. and I feel like the fin is, I mean, I've never sailed one, but it does seem like it's all your power and technique that goes straight back into the ocean, into the boat. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd love to talk on that. So I sailed, um, the fin dinghy, um, from 2014 to 2021. Um, it's the men's single-handed heavyweight Olympic class. Um, it was so, it held that name from uh, 1952 until um, this past Olympics. Um, the fin's awesome because it's a well-balanced boat. Um, I was listening to Stan Honey on a podcast yesterday, and he raves about the Cal 40, which is, you know, this kind of dumpy racer cruiser, you know, dumpy to us, but to, to their generation, it was, you know, pretty slick. Um, but he kept talking about how well-mannered it was. Um, and that means balanced, which means that it's easy to drive and drive well. Um, you know, the fin's not always balanced, but if you put a lot of effort into it technically with your, you know, you can, you can change a lot of things. You can change your mass bend, your sail design. You can change your foils. You can change the location of your centerboard and your rudder. Um, So it's very, um, you know, it allows for modification and customization. And when you get it right, it's really, really right. And it feels really good and you feel smart, you know, you feel (laughs) it's, um, it's very rewarding. And I think that, you know, the fins like that in a lot of ways, it's very physically demanding. Um, It's very technically demanding and in slow boat racing, there's less of an emphasis on maneuvers. And so 
there are fewer screw ups. And so it's harder to be ahead. And so in all those ways, those difficulties create a really fulfilling experience and fulfilling relationship to the boat. Um, and I think that's why I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Just because yeah. of the challenge, you know. Um, I love going fast. I love, you know, doing hard maneuvers and in, in skiffs or, you know, trying to to do maneuvers on a, you know, a foil kite board and hydrofoiling kite board, you know. Um, but I definitely, I definitely like know what you're talking about, like going back and doing college sailing. And like, I feel like when you're racing a skiff or kiting or something, you're like always making like little mistakes and like, it doesn't really matter because you'll just like re-accelerate and like re-get up to speed and stuff. And like, you're kind of like, oh, that wasn't a perfect tack or something. But then like when you're in an FJ, like you literally make like zero mistakes, like an entire upwind and like everyone's kind of doing the same tack and like the same speed and stuff. And like, it almost like, makes you feel like you're sailing better all the time because like you're not having those like biff ups because like i'm sure the fin is like way harder to sail than like an fj but like an fj like you can't make that many mistakes so it's like it just kind of get into a rhythm and then you're just kind of pretty much only worried about like sailboat racing because the boat is like always kind of um doing the right thing versus like skiffs it's like i feel like the boat can do the wrong thing like way easier yeah we were showing uh manny our old opti coach and he coached you, right, Luke? Yeah, Mario yeah. Sana. Yeah. yeah, he was, um, we showed him uh, kite foil racing for the first time. And he's like, I mean, in his thick Argentinian accent, he's like, what the hell is this? Like, you're not connected to the ocean. You're just going up above it. And uh, I think that's, uh, it's an interesting, like, for all the high performance boats, like, I don't know, there's a connection with the slower boats for sure. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's, a greater connection to the water. I think that for me at the highest level, when I was really fast and, you know, at the end of my campaign, very competitive at the top, my experience racing was flipping the switch between making a decision, you know, or two or three decisions ahead of time, and then just fully getting into a flow of speed, whether it was upwind or downwind. And, you know, upwind, it's really demanding on your thighs and it's a, you know, it's, it's like an isometric hold, um, where your you know, your legs are burning the whole time. And then down when it's like a CrossFit workout or rowing, you know, where your heart rate's through the roof and you're, but through that you're focused on like very little tiny things that make you go faster, um, because the decision's already been made. So I think that was one thing that I really enjoyed about that boat, um, was that you could, uh, I guess the words compartmentalize, you know, um, and that was the best way for me to, to race around the, the course. Yeah. So Luke, you're, you were saying, um, you kind of had that extra year from COVID, which, which helped you a bunch because of just kind of like got into a better headspace and got better training eventually. And then, and then you said, I think you were six at the worlds in, in, in 2020 or 2021. In 2021. Yeah. In the, right. uh, my final, my final Europe trip, I, I had a really good, uh, so, you know, succession of training and, and yeah. Yeah. So then when you're, I mean, you're coming off that, you must be feeling like pretty good and then kind of entering the games, like, were you, did you have like a, a goal or like, were you kind of, what, what was your kind of mindset, like entering that? Like, did you feel like you have a weakness? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm bad downwind or I'm bad at starting or like, what were you worried about something or were you like coming in pretty, pretty confident with everything? 
I felt pretty confident. I felt pretty well-rounded. I finished sixth at the Worlds, but only four of those that finished ahead of me were at the Games. Um, and, you know, I'd beat the Olympic champion from Rio at that World Championships. And, you know, I certainly had my weaknesses, but when I went into it, for sure at the end of my campaign, when I would go into an event, it was like, you know, it was, it was war. Um, and I mean that in the sense that it was all consuming mentally. And I was in a mindset where my timelines and, you know, basically my, you know, what I could see ahead of me through time was very short, right? My focus was on very short timelines to the day, right? Like, if I'm going to give my max effort, I can't be distracted by anything else. What can I do right now that moves the needle most, you know, or what's my job right now? Sometimes my job was to, you know, eat a freezy pop to hydrate before, uh, you know, the day. And that was the only thing that mattered. I wasn't thinking about the races. I wasn't thinking about yesterday or what I do after the Olympics. It was just like, what's, so I was very present is another way to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I didn't have a big focus on my results. I knew that I could have been, you know, inside outside chance for a medal if I had a really good event. Um, But I knew that fixating on that would be a distraction and would take me away from, you know, decrease my potential to, to, to achieve that. Um, And there are some things that I didn't know um, and that I kind of knew that that spring leading up to the games, I had inconsistent downwinds. I think I I told you guys before that, you know, there are moments in that lead up where I was one of the fastest in every condition downwind. And I was very consistent in being fast upwind, but, but that downwind speed was hit or miss. And I needed a few days in conditions to like dial it up. Um, You know, I don't really understand why, but I knew that that was true. And um you know, in the lead up to the games, the weather was light and my light air downwinds were really, really good. And then, you know, we got into another type of weather pattern and, and the breeze increased and, and I, I struggled to, to catch up. And I think that the pressure of the event um, in the moment took me out of a learning mindset, um, which I think if I maintained, I would have been a little quicker to adapt and, and probably done a bit better. But um, I was really really happy with what I brought to the Olympics and, and, you know, both the team and my mindset and my effort, um, you know, even though I had shaky results, I, I came at every race with, with a clear head and an open mind and, and approached it in the same way. So that's how all I could really you, ask of myself. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, how much were you kind of changing things during the event? Do you like come off the water and meet with your coach and like, change things about your downwind or, or whatever is going well or, or not well. Um, do you kind of like reevaluate? Cause you, you were saying like you lived in the present a lot, which seems super healthy, but um, kind of talk us through that like everyday approach. Yeah. I think as a principal, you don't change much. Um, yeah. I learned that pretty early on that, you know, you change a life jacket and you do attack and you get caught. Right. Um, yeah. And that can be, uh, you know, extrapolated to any other circumstance or event. And I, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. We didn't change much. I think, you know, I think adjust is, is kind of the right term. Um, and we're always t- talking about technique. You know, it, it's all about the, the details and, and the, the tiny little changes that you can make to, to eke out a little bit more performance. So, of course, we, we discussed, but there was also a lot of, you know, we would basically have a very short list very, very short, like only two or three things. What were the biggest things that we wanted to highlight today that'll move the needle tomorrow or we'll move the needle, you know, when we see this condition again, we talk about them in good detail when, you know, once they're written down and the discussion's over, then, you know, all the effort was on recovery, rehydration, um, preparing for the next day. So, yeah, you probably don't want to spend like a crazy amount of mental effort, like after racing every day, right? You're probably already pretty exhausted yeah sometimes there's days where um and even not at the games just in general at at important events or even in training you know there are only so many things that you can analyze before you lose you know you lose the uh the essence or the learning point totally yeah Yeah, what were the uh conditions like in japan and like the heat as well you know that probably played a pretty big role on kind of mental mental strength especially after a long event yeah i mean i think um the heat it was very hot in japan many people don't know that um i didn't know it before i went there but japan in the summertime is very very hot and humid um and the sun is very intense more than you know south florida in the summertime or even australia um it can be very hot um so you know that was a difficulty but that was a known challenge beforehand something we trained for i did a lot of working out in sweatshirts during the summer before <laughs> I, uh, I flew there. Um, so it was something I was used to at that time, but, um, you know, the conditions more generally were, you know, well within the range of things you'd expect to have in Japan and things that we'd worked on. And, um, so it wasn't, you know, a lot of people said, Oh, it was a tough event, but I don't think it was any harder than anyone would have expected. Um, it wasn't an anomaly. We didn't have weird conditions for the games. Yeah, so I think um, jumping back a little bit uh, to kind of the the COVID break, um, and you kind of mentioned how that helped you a little bit um, and kind of reassess your campaign. Can you kind of walk walk us through that? I mean, that was a whole year of like just waiting and sitting and trying yeah, to reassess sure. campaigns. And um, so we, you know. Uh, when COVID-19 started to spread across the world and cases started to build, you know, we kind of dialed back and stopped sailing for a little bit and then started sailing again, but we weren't allowed to travel to Europe. There was a European championships for the Finn in I think October um, that I physically could not get to. Um, And that was really hard. You know, I, at that point I walked away from an America's cup contract um, because I wasn't going to be able to train there in New Zealand with that team. And um, so it's a time where, you know, the, it was pretty alone and um, it was difficult, but, you know, I surrounded myself with good people and reminded myself of the goal. And um, it kind of ended up being the best thing for me. I I think before COVID I was kind of, um, you know, high teens, low twenties and in the world rankings and, and kind of, mediocre upwind and 
you know, maybe not fit enough or tough enough to, to hike through a, a full day of windy racing. And, um, I had some really tough conversations with my coaches and, and my training staff and, you know, really had to say like, you know, we get an extra year, what do we do with it? And that led me to that, you know, stint of, of only weight training. Um, and I actually ended up switching coaches, um, to kind of inject some novelty and some, honestly, just some brutal honesty. You know, you get, you, you're with a coach, no matter if they're the best in the world, if you're with a coach and you're with them too long and you get too close to them or you're friendly, like you get in these rhythms and patterns and grooves in the road. Um, and I think we found ourselves there where, you know, maybe I wasn't as receptive to listening or, you know, my coach wasn't um, able to give me the feedback I needed. And we flew to Europe, I think in February um, of 2021, after some serious work down in Miami for like a month and a half or two months. And that's when we were doing those bike rides. And uh, my new coach, Mark Andrews, was, was riding a lot with me. And, and that was fun to have a coach that was also kind of a fitness partner. Um, and we showed up and we just kicked butt um, in my terms. Um, you know, the best I had ever sailed um, it was the fastest I'd been upwind. And you know, I was winning a lot of practice races. And when my down ones were on, I was, you know, pretty much on fire. Uh, I was still making a lot of mistakes and still had a lot to improve on. And that's what kept me going. Um, but it was awesome. It was, it was, it was nice to have been kind of, you know, so low and, you know, kind of dark and having a tough time feeling alone with not a lot of direction to, you know, surrounding myself with good people and, and just falling in love with the work. Um, and, uh, we were doing long trips to Europe and enjoying our time there and focusing on the process. And, it ended up being really good. I'm, you know, I'm glad it happened. Um, you know, glad I got the extra year and, and the time and perspective to, to have a really good showing. Yeah. yeah. And was the, the coach change pretty, um, I don't know, that must've been a hard decision, like a year, a year out from the games. Um, Six and months. it sounds like it was the right, the right decision too. Yeah, it was really hard, man. Um, you know, I was working with Luther Carpenter before who has a storied history of, of turning out medals. And um, I had a lot of history with him, a lot of, you know, I'm extremely grateful for what he did for me, but, you know, it, we had a tough time, um, you know, continuing on and, and it was hard. It was hard to both leave him and it was hard to start with someone new. Um, and, you know, Luther and I both looked at it at the end and we're like, it was probably the best, you know, infusion of new energy and just change that we could have had, um, you know, and kind of had to make the best decision for me and the program. And, you know, I, but uh, yeah, it was a hard decision, but I'm glad I pushed myself to, to make it. And, and, and it wasn't without you know, talking to Luther about it, you know, um, he understood where I was going and supported me in that way. So I was really thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you also mentioned you stepped away from an America's Cup campaign. Was that kind of around the same time as well? Or is that? Um, that was earlier in, you know, in April or May, they were deciding whether or not um, to bring, uh, we had a couple guys, me and Caleb Payne were 
you know, training for the Olympics and um, working for, you know, New York Yacht Club and, and that challenge for the America's Cup. And, um, you know, they're deciding whether or not to send fins in the container. And, um, you know, I think their training philosophy, which has been extremely successful in the Maxi 72s with Bellamente and, you know, quantum racing in the 52s is just, you know, we're a single-minded team. We know how it works. And, you know, I don't blame them to give them credit. That's how they've won multiple world championships. And, you know, that's when we signed our contract, we thought that we were going to go and do the Olympics in the summer of 2020 and do the America's cup in February, March of 2021. Right. And when that kind of flipped and, you know, they were going to have, you know, Olympic athletes looking at a six month timeline to the games during the America's cup, you know, there's kind of a conflict of interest there. Um, and so, you know, we had some pretty tough conversations. Uh, you know, Caleb and I had been, we were halfway through the trials, mind you, right? We weren't, we were two thirds of the way through the trials. We weren't completely finished. I was leading by a good chunk, but it wasn't said and done. Um, and I mean, we were grateful to have, to make a decision between two incredible options, right? Um, no complaints to be picking between the America's Cup and, and, and the Olympics, but, um, you know, it had a lot of com lot of conversations with Caleb and, and Terry and, and, you know, some, some mentors and, and other people and, you know, decided to fully put my head down for the Olympics and, and, and go for that goal. Um, and I'm really glad I did. Um, you know, sometimes of course I look back and I say, oh, it would have been incredible. Could I have done both? Um, but I made the best decision I could have at that time. And, and that's all I can really, you know, that's all we can really do for ourselves. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point that you made um, of making the decision in the moment, because I think I've heard uh, Quinn talk about this a lot in racing is like coaches are always like, oh, you should have done this. You're like, OK, yeah, I should have. But like in the moment, what was I what was I seeing and what was I or what were the, the factors that led me to that decision, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, oh, there's a large precipitation cloud on the on the corner of the yeah. race course. You see more breeze there. You sail to it, and then it completely dies out by the time you get there and you get past. And they're like, oh, well, why didn't you go the other way? <laughs> it's like, because, you know, I made yeah. a decision based on what I saw. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, I mean, that's a phenomenal lesson that we're, we learn as, you know, strategists on the race course that we can apply to life. Um, and, I mean, when you're hucking it out there, you know, to, to harp on this analogy, when you're going out to that, you know, better place on the race course that you think, and people are doing better than you, you know, you have to understand that you have to do the best at where you are in that moment. Um, so there's a lot of that that happened last year. And, um, you know, I don't know what would have happened if I would have, uh, done the cup, but I know that I, I grew a lot last year and, and I learned a lot from a lot of great people, um, in the Olympic classes. Um, so I'm grateful for what I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you um, thinking about doing the America's Cup this time around or trying to? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that things are just getting started back up. I know a lot of things are up in the air. Um, I got to see Terry and the team at the Maxi Worlds in Sardinia after the Olympics. And 
um, you know, it's good to see them. And, and I know that they're working on a lot of things, but I don't think that they're worried about hiring sailors all quite yet. So, um, you know, it's, it's an incredible event. Um, I certainly learned a lot about the lifestyle as a sailor, um, but we'll see. I mean, I want to, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible, kind of incredible way to, you know, spend your time. And, and it's definitely a, uh, an admirable goal, admirable goal. Yeah. So. We'll see. Can't complain about that. <laughs> How are you gonna kind of balance that? Uh, all of a sudden, that huge like challenge and goal, like going away right after the Olympics, and you kind of come home. Like, I mean, I know you've been like pretty pretty darn busy, but do you feel like you need to like fill that gap with something else, or are you like pretty content just kind of being busy with other things now? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that actually. Um, it's occupied a lot of my my mental space is, you know, I was thankful. I took like a week and a half off of like no agenda, like no scheduled workouts, no pressure with food as we were talking about. Um, and that was kind of enough for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, there are times where I want, you know, I want to go on a surf trip or, or go on a van trip um, and just fully unplug. But if I'm not doing that, then I like to stay pretty busy and, and, and working. Um, and so I had a few things on the schedule, um, Riley Gibbs and I were going to do the 505 worlds, which unfortunately were canceled. Um, and I had a few other pro sailing events that were lined up to keep me busy and kind of just have a bit of a goal. Um, but both of those changed. I ended up going to the maxi worlds instead and, and the M32 team I was working with, um, Marstrom 32 team I was working with, uh, you know, decided to stop for the season and, um, you know, it's been good. I, uh, it's certainly, I think there have been a few days where I'm like, wow, you know, have one of those tough days where you're like, don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, but then there are a lot of days, like last night I was talking to my fiance about, you know, how much time I've been able to take to like call people and invest in my friends and actually catch up you know um and how great that makes me feel um just to see how everyone is um so i'm really grateful for kind of the lull um and not in terms of how busy i am but in terms of having like a true north and a goal and something i'm dedicated to every single day um because i've been able to to kind of reevaluate and reinvest in some other areas of my life that i've i've had to say no to a lot yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a pretty drastic change, even just like being in one spot. I mean, you've probably been traveling for like for a long time. So yeah, <laughs> as I'm about to, to fly to. for another week and a half, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, I, I, I agree with you, Quinn. It, it's a different change. I mean, I'm talking to, you know, companies for real jobs. Um, I'm trying to stay open-minded and, and I, I'm certainly going to keep sailing and hopefully professional sailing, uh, a major part of my life. Um, but I'm also open to and exploring options where I can, you know, work and, and make a living, um, on top of that. Um, so there's a lot of exploration, a lot of deep questions, a lot of unknown and, and feeling like I don't know much, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good with it too. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're like all, all three of us are kind of in like a transition zone right now so it's definitely like i can definitely relate to that and like 
kind of just kind of wondering which direction you could choose, but it's good that you have a, have a few of them, you know, so got to stay, get back on the horse, stay busy get on a plane again. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that, you know, I, I get really um, a bit anxious and, and have that feeling of unknown when I don't think about what I truly want to do. And, and, uh, and that's, I want to get offshore. Um, I think that I've done a lot of dinghy racing. A lot of the times I haven't been able to say yes to those opportunities because I was gaining weight or, you know, the race was too long, but I really want to do some offshore sailing and, and tap into that kind of adventure racing side of, of our sport. Um, and you know, that, that has kind of led me to a direction of, you know, seeking out those opportunities and, and getting a bit uncomfortable, you know? Um, so that it feels better when I, when I'm, you know, spending time planning on doing races and talking to people knowledgeable in that space and people who have, you know, kind of transitioned from Olympic class racing or dinghy racing to, to some distance racing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It feels so different, like a different type of racing, but then you feel like, you're like, Oh, I, I still know how to sail. I can sail a different type of boat. <laughs> For sure. I mean, hard to... making a sailboat go fat, a sailboat go fast is pretty universal, but how and in what conditions yeah. and you know the you living can still be a beginner to that too though yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly um but we'll see i mean a lot of unknowns i mean and it's also easy to like look at others and be like oh they have it all figured out um i think that's been the hardest thing for me is is assuming that everyone else has their feet under them when i know that that's not true um, yeah totally and yeah, just being willing like a... to talk about that, right? Like, and share that I myself aren't feeling that way and, and, and being open and listening to people share their own experience about that. Yeah, that's definitely like a, a social media thing too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Major. right now, like I, I have like zero sailing planned, you know, and I'm like, do I want to plan sailing or like, am I over it? Or do I just want to like go on a cruisy yacht to the islands to go diving? Like, I don't know, <laughs> like what kind of, kind of sailing is really enjoyable you know so yeah like and straightforward there's so many people that do it different ways right and the cool thing about our sport is that it is so you know it it's so different in so many different ways i don't think the word is diverse i think the word is uh i, I, I there's some other word there that, that multi i don't know multidisciplinary or you know it's just so different from you can go cruising around the world. You can race around the world. You can foil on a kite board. You can, you know, race an FJ in the Charles or, you know, you can just do so many different types of sailing. Um, and they all kind of relate in some way. way. Yeah. Um, Even when you get specific, like we're talking about like foiling now, it's like, are you going to go winging or downwinding or paddle <laughs> stand up? It's like, <laughs> there's endless like different ways to do things, you know? So yeah, that keeps the, it fun. The ocean provides for sure. Cool. Are we, uh, should we wrap it up? That, that, that feels like a good denouement, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Whatever uh, that means. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it means the tying of the bow. All right. Uh, good to talk to you, Luke. All right. Thanks. See Luke. you guys. See you. Be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.